Okay, good evening, everybody. Tonight, we'll begin Chapter 53 of Tanya, Becoming an Abode for God's Presence. And I want to remind everybody that the Tanya was written as a personal audience between the Alter Rebbe and anyone that had any challenge in their life. Anybody that would, throughout history, as he writes in his introduction, come to him with a question that Tanya is going to address it. And this is the last chapter. In other words, this is the last comment that is being shared in this, uh, these personal audiences that you're having with him. So what is the message? What's going to be the final wrap-up message? And I, and I believe when we, when we conclude um, chapter 53, you'll agree with me that it's a, it's, it's a real appropriate wrap-up message. Now, in order for us to get the, the awesomeness of the, end of the message, the majority of the chapter is going to talk about the Shekhinah today. If you remember in chapter 51, we, just, we asked, what does it mean, the holy temple? Hashem is everywhere. And over chapter 51 and 52, we were discussing what Shekhinah is. It's more revealed in one place, etc. But in chapter 53, we're going to get a little nitty-gritty at first, discussing what energy of Shekhinah there was in the world when the Beis HaMikdash, the first Beis HaMikdash stood. What energy there was in the world when the second Beis HaMikdash stood. What energy comes to the world when we do, when we study halacha? And what energy comes to the world when we eat an apple or do other mundane things? The Baal Shem Tov had a chassid who really wanted to travel to Eretz Yisrael. He really wanted to be able to go to Israel, spend his life in the Holy Land where we learn that just the air of Eretz Yisrael makes you wise. And the Baal Shem Tov continually said, no, I don't want you going to Eretz Yisrael. Well, what do you do if you nudge enough, you get your way. So the Chassid continued to nudge. And at one point, finally, the Baal said, okay, you want to go to Eretz Yisrael? You got it. You're in. So he's very elated. He, he tells his wife, we're on our way to Eretz Yisrael. They pack up. They're getting ready to go. And as a preparation for his holy trip, he goes to the mikvah. He wants to purify himself. And as he's in the holy water, as he's in the mikvah water, all of a sudden he opens his eyes underwater and he sees a vision of Israel approaching. It's as if he's in the water, the Mediterranean Sea, and he sees a shore approaching. 
And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is some, what's going on here? And he comes up for air. And as he goes back down, the second time he sees a further vision. Now he's in Yerushalayim. Okay, it's uh, getting more and more interesting. He then continues a third time. And he sees a vision of the Holy Temple. And he continues another time and he sees a vision of the Holy. The first section of the building of the temple. And finally, one more time, he goes down under the mikveh water and he goes into the Holy of Holies in his vision. And as he gets into the Holy of Holies, who does he meet there? The Baal Shem Tov. In other words, after all of his travels, he's trying, he really wants to go to Eretz Yisrael. Who does he end up meeting in the Holy of Holies in his vision? The Baal Shem Tov. So he says, aha, I got the message. The message is that the Torah is with the Baal Shem Tov but it, it's a deeper message. The Torah is with us where we are. Our task today is to bring the Shechina to exactly where we are in each place. So we're gonna, let's jump inside to chapter 53, and we're going to start off learning about where the Shechina dwelled when... The, base, the first base Hamikdash stood. And I want to show you these, these uh, diagrams again. If you don't like them, they're fully my fault. But I just tried to make them to give us a better picture of uh, what the conversation is. So let's look at number one, where my hand is. Do you, do you, could you call out, do you see um, the Word document here? You see, we're done. Okay. So, in number one, this is where, this is the levels that Hashem's energy came through in order to reside in the base Hamikdash. And the fewer levels, the better. Let's, let's, uh, we, in other words, we want the undistilled godliness. The energy that was in the base Hamikdash, in the first base Hamikdash, we have Chachma of Atzilos, purple. Is Atzilos. So I, I use this, uh, these colors. Purple is Atzilos. The second color is Bria. The pink is Yitzira. And the gray is Asiya. So Chachma yeah, of Atzilos. Go ahead, Mish Menel. That page it says chapter 53. I don't think we're looking at a word document. Yeah, that's, I, that's what I see is chapter 53. Aha. Okay, okay. Well, I, then I'm extremely appreciative that you clarify that. Let's bring it up here. Yeah, so you, we see here Chachma. Oh, yeah. There it is. And Chachma Vatzilos, the purple, the Chachma Vatzilos goes into Malchus, the lowest level of Vatzilos. So Malchus of Vatzilos is Shechina. Now, the Malchus of Vatzilos came down into the Malchus of Berea, and that energy came inside of the 
Luchos. Let's say that again. Malchus of Shechina, a Malchus of Atzilus went into the, the Malchus of Bria, and from there came into the tablets in the first base on Mikdash. Now, what we're going to learn is that, as you know, if, if you're familiar, the first tablets were only with us in the first base on Mikdash. In the second temple, they weren't there. So it means the energy of Hashem actually went through a much greater descent in the second temple. In the second temple, the energy, let's go down to number two, Malchus of Atzilus, went into Malchus of Bria, which went into Malchus of Yitzira, which came into this world. So we've had now a new level that Malchus of Bria descended into Malchus of Yitzira to come into the Holy Temple. But we don't have a temple now. So let's scroll down and drop more. Number three. Today, and that's why you see there's four worlds. So if, if you ignore all the colors, there's four worlds. The, the gist of it is that Malchus of Atzilus, the highest world, descended into the Malchus of the next world of Bria, which descended into the next world, the Malchus of Yitzir, which descended into the next world, the Malchus of Asiya. That energy comes down when we learn halacha. When we learn Torah law. How is that different than all the energy in this world? And that's, sorry, that's what I wanted to show you with the next picture. If you remember, we learned earlier, earlier on in Tanya that everything in this world has an outer shell, klipas noiga. Everything in this world, all the godliness that comes into this world generally has to go through, as you see in number four in this chart here, has to go through the klipas noiga. I put over here this, I think it's an apple or some nuts, but it has to go through this another shell, another layer of concealment. And then it could come into this world. Today, the energy that we could get though through Torah study, we've, we're removing that layer of the klipas noiga. So let's quickly review. In the first Beis HaMikdash, where we had the Luchos, the energy of Malchus of Atzilus, went one world down into Malchus of Bria and straight into the holy tablets that were in the temple. After the first temple, where the holy tablets were hidden away, and we only had the Ark, we don't have the tablets. Sorry. We, sorry, we did not even have the Ark. We just had the Holy of Holies, the room itself. Still the base of Migdash, still the Shekhinah in the Holy of Holies. But over here, the Shekhinah now descended another level from the Malchus of Bria to the Malchus of Yitzira. I today we don't even have the temple. So it descends another level, descends into the Malchus of Asiya. And if we're not studying Torah, it actually has an additional concealment of Klipas Noika. And any questions about what I've shared? Or should we just jump in? Okay, let's jump in. Here we go. And whatever I said, well, let's see the uh, wording of Tanya. At the time the first temple stood in the first Beis Hamikdash, 
to which the ark and tablets were housed in the Holy of Holies. We had the Aaron. We had the Luchais. So in that, in the first place, I make the Shechina. And what is the Shechina? Malchus of Atzilus. That is the aspect of the revealed light of the blessed angels dwelled there. Inside of the Luchos dwelled Malchus of Atzilus and was closed in the Ten Commandments far higher and stronger and with a greater and mightier revelation than its revelation in the shrines of the Holy of Holies above in the upper worlds. That means the energy that was inside of the Beis HaMikdash was greater in the physical temple in the lowest world was greater than the energy that was in the higher world of of, of Yitzira because the energy went straight from Malchus of Bri, as we'll see momentarily into this world. Here's what it says, for the Ten Commandments are the all-embracing principles of the whole Torah. In the Ten Commandments, we have all of the 613 commandments. If you count the letters of the Ten Commandments, you're going to find 620. Why? Because the Ten Commandments are inclusive of the 613 commandments and the seven commandments that the rabbis gave us. That's why it's 620, 613 plus seven. What are are the seven commandments that the rabbis gave us? Well, I'll give you an example of some of them. Some of them are are, uh, lighting Shabbos candles, Hanukkah, washing your hands, seven commandments. Oh, the seven rabbinical commandments. Yes, 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 seven rabbinical commandments. Yes, thank you. So the Ten Commandments are inclusive of all the commandments. And the whole Torah, which comes from the higher wisdom, which comes from Chachmilah, the highest level of Atzilos, that is far higher than the world of manifestation. So the energy that comes into the temple, with the, where it's the first place in English where the luchos stand, is greater than the higher world. In order to engrave them on material tablets of stone, it the Shekhinah did not descend degree by degree, parallel to the order of the sense of the worlds down to this material world. So the energy that came into the Luchos didn't follow the same order that everything else in this world followed. For this material world functions through the garment of material nature. While the tab, the Luchos are the work of God and the writing is the writing of God. Beyond the nature of this material world, which is derived from the Shechina that dwells in the Holy of Holies of Asiya, where the light and vitality is shown to the world of Asiya, in which this, our world, is also contained. So the energy that comes into this world naturally comes through all the different four worlds. 
But the category of the higher wisdom of Atzilus, the highest level of Atzilus, Chachma of Atzilus, from where the Torah comes, consisting of the totality of the Torah, as it is highlighted in the Luchos, has closed itself in Malchus of Atzilus and of Bria alone. You see, here's, here's the punchline. The energy that's in the Luchos is energy that's coming undiluted. It's Malchus of Atzilus that came through only Bria. And they alone, united as they are with the light of the blessed Ain Sof that is within them, are referred to as the Shekhinah which rested in the Holy of Holies of the First Temple. So the energy, the Shekhinah that was in the first temple, what Shekhinah, what energy is this? That is the energy of Malchus, of Atzilus coming in through Malchus of Bria directly into this physical world. Through its closing itself in the Ten Commandments, which were engraved in the Luchos that were inside of the Aron by miraculous means and by the work of the living God, if you're familiar, the luchos were godly. They were made by God. The first luchos we know were physically made by Hashem. And a miracle happened every moment that the luchos exist. What is it? Well, two things. First is the luchos were able to be read from either direction. Now, if you engrave something and you write the letter R one way, the opposite way, you're going to get a backwards R. But the Luchos, miraculously, when you engraved it one way, it was fully legible on either side. That's one miracle. But the other miracle is that there was some letters in the Luchos that were completely free-hanging. What do I mean? If you're familiar, the letter final mem, let me see if I can find you a final mem on this page. Um, annotate, Alana, let me draw. The letter final mem, let's draw it here. Looks like this. It looks like a box. And the letter Samach looks similar. It's just a little curve. So if you engrave them, you know what's going to happen? The entire inside is also going to fall out. But miraculously, a miracle happened that, that when they were engraved, the inside stayed intact. So the area that filled the Samach and the area that filled the Mem, it should have fallen out naturally, but it remained there because it was completely godly. Another example of the godliness that was within the temple, within the Holy of Holies, is that we know the measurements of the Holy of Holies didn't add up. I, um, in very short, the Holy of Holies was 10 amos, 15 feet. And the ark itself 
was two and a half amas. So, a little math here. If you would measure from one end of the room until the ark, and from the other end of the room until the ark, how much space should be on either side of the ark? So if it's two and a half amas, the size of the ark, and the, and the ark is in the middle, how many amos are on either side? 1.25. Say it again. 1.25, no? I was saying it's seven and a half. Gersh, I couldn't hear. Could you try one more time? Okay. Wouldn't it be... Uh, one, because you said it's two and a half almost, right? And if the arc is in the middle, wouldn't it be got one it, point? Got it. I apologize. It's my internet. I see. Um, it's my internet challenge. Oh no, it's it's mine, maybe. Oh, Garrison. Maybe it's my on my end. No, no, no. Try, try now. Try now. Can you hear me? I hear you clearly, yeah. Oh, okay. okay. I said, um, if, it, if it's two and a half amos and the, uh, the uh, lujos are in the middle, wouldn't it be 1.25 on each side? Well, two and a half did you say, in the did middle. you say it was 15 amos from? Well, no, 10 amos, 15 feet. So there's 10 amos in total, and two and a half are taking up the middle. So how much is left on the side, on each side? So wouldn't that be three, three and three quarters? Exactly. Three and three quarters almost on each side. Huh. And yet, if you would take a, a measuring stick, you would measure five almost on each side. Let's say that again. Let's say that again. Okay. If you would take a measuring stick through one from one side of the room to the other, it would tell you that there was 10 almost in the room. And then you would measure the Aron, it would tell you the Aron is two and a half amos. And if you would put the Aron in the middle of the room, and now you'd measure from one end of the room to the Aron, and the other end of the room to the Aron, each side would have five amos. That means the Aron didn't take up space. So there, this is one of the miracles of the Aron, that it took up space and it didn't take up space. Hmm. And that's one of the things we're talking about here. The Aaron itself was completely godly. It had the energy of Malchus of Atubus, the way it comes into Malchus of Bria directly. But now... It could, it, could, it could not have any physical... It could not take up any physical space because that would make it worldly. Well, that kind of makes sense. It, it, it did not take up space because it was such a combination, a high combination of godliness and physical together. So this is talking about the energy that was in the first temple. However, what about the second temple? In the second temple where we didn't have the ark, we didn't have the arrow, we don't have the luchot, they were hidden away. So what energy of Shekhinah was there? As for the second temple, which the Aaron and Luchos were not there, our rabbi, the blessed memory, said that the Shekhinah did not abide there. What are you going to tell me? You're going to tell me in the second place, Amigas, there was no Shekhinah there? No, no, no. This refers to the, the Shekhinah that was in the first place, Amigas, 
which was directly from Malchus of, of Bria, that was not in the second base on Migzash. In the second base on Migzash, the energy came according to the order of gradual descent of Malchus of Atilus, the first world, coming into Malchus of Bria, the second world, and then going now into Malchus of Yetira, the third world. And Malchus of Yetira became the holy of holies of, a- of Asiya, which in turn was closed in the holy of holies of the temple here below. So the energy of Malchus, of Yitzira, that became the energy of the Holy of Holies. In a rest of the Shechina, Malchus of Yitzira, which was closed in the Holy of Holies of Asiya. So the second we came to the second temple, and we don't have the Luchos, And the Aram, all of a sudden, the energy now needs to go down to one more world. But it was still much greater than the energy we see now. And that is why, that even in the times of the second day, when the Shekhinah was much lower, when they were inappropriate high priests, they would die. Therefore, no man was permitted to enter, enter there, except the high priest from the Day of Atonement. And even on the Day of Atonement, if he's an inappropriate high priest, he's going to die, as happened in the times of the second day Samigash. So this is all talking about the first day Samigash and the second day Samigash. But today we don't have a day Samigash, tragically. However, since the day Samigash was destroyed, so what does Hashem have? And here the Gemara tells us, since the temple was destroyed, there remains to the blessed Holy, Holy One, the, the Holy One, blessed be He. The four cubits of halacha. That means that when you go and you sit by yourself and you occupy yourself in Torah study, the Shekhinah is with you. As the first, as the Gemara says. What does it mean the Shekhinah is with him? What level of Shekhinah? This refers, remember, we're now going to add another layer. It refers to Malchus of, y- of Atzilus. Coming into Malchus of Bria. Coming into Malchus of Yetzira. And then into Malchus of Asiya. We've now added another letter, another layer that the energy needs to come through Malchus of Asiya. Why? Why is Torah study necessitating that the energy come through a further layer? Very simple. Because the Torah and mitzvahs are on one level very mundane. So the 613 commandments of the Torah are by and large active mitzvahs. All mitzvahs have, have a tinge of something physical to the least. As for example, tefillin, a mezuzah, those are really physical. Then you have mitzvahs that are words and thought, Torah study, benching, saying shema, tefillah, 
And we know that Allah tells us it has been ruled that contemplation has not the validity of speech and what has not fulfilled one's obligation by contemplation in Kavanah alone until he gives utterance with his lips. However, it has been ruled that the motion of the lips is considered an action. In other words, most of the Torah is connected with something physical. So the moment we talk physical, I now need the energy to come through another layer. The 613 commandments of the Torah, together with the seven commandments of our rabbis, 620, remember we said in total, combined to total the numerical equivalent of keser, a crown. This is beautiful. Keser is a numerical chas tough resh. Chas is 20, tough is 400, resh is 200, equals 620. The 630 commandments and the seven mitzvot together they equal crown. Why? Because they come from the Ratzon Ha'elion, the supernal will, which is clothed in Hashem's wisdom. And they are united with the light of the Blessed Ain't in a perfect union. Hashem Hashem with his wisdom founded the world, which refers to the oral Torah, which is derived from the higher wisdom. As is written in the Zohar, the father Chachma had a daughter Malchus, the oral law. So let's look back at our, at our diagram. And hopefully we'll be able to um, put this all together again. So to review. The Shechina, the word Shechina is just a word denoting energy coming down. We don't know what type of energy is coming down. So when you say the Shekhinah is here, what are you referring to? That's, that's a solid question. What are you referring to? In the first base, Hamikdash. In the first, sorry, I wanted to highlight it. In the first base, Hamikdash, we have um, In the first place, I mean, do you see my arrow on the screen? Oh, here, yes. yes. You see my, in the yes. first place, I mean, the energy of Chachma went straight, the energy of Malchus of Atsilos went straight to Malchus of Bria, straight into this world. In the second place, I mean, the on the left side, it had to now go through another layer through Malchus of Bria. Today, when we learn, when we learn Halacha, it has to go through one more layer of Malchus of Asiya. However, everything else needs to go through a fourth layer. That means Malchus of Atsilos has to go now through four layers. Malchus of Bria, Malchus of Yitira, Malchus of Asiya, and Klipas Naiga, and now into this one. So where does this leave us off? It leaves us off that we have an understanding of what Shekhinah is, the different levels it may be, 
And we also understand that in order for the, for the Shekhinah to come down to this world, we need the study of Torah. The study of Torah brings the Shekhinah down here. That's what we're holding now. And, and I do want to recognize and, and acknowledge all of you for coming to these last few classes because these have been very technical. Uh, not, I don't mean technical in a sense of, but, but very detail oriented and talking about um, some concepts that perhaps are harder to grasp. So, but why did we learn all of this? And that's what we're going to learn next week, but I want to give you a heads up. The incredible point, the message that I, I said at the beginning, what's the final message? The final message is going to be, we know what the Shekhinah is, but to bring it down, the Shekhinah, if you remember we said in chapter 35, it needs a wick. The Shekhinah is a fire. If it wants to come down to this world, it needs to consume something. What can it consume, we're going to learn, is your physical body. In other words, we have to be willing to transform our body. Now, it doesn't say, it's much easier than you think. Let me give you an example. The moment you go ahead and you do a physical mitzvah, like one rabbi said, you're burning physical calories. It's a real thing. You're taking your energy and physically, so you're actually taking the physical and transforming it into good. So the final message that Tanya is going to wrap us off with, and end us off with is that the greatest thing we can do is something physical. Could be simple. Could be extremely simple but giving physical energy, physical time to Hashem, that is the greatest method we have to bring down godliness into this world. And we've been talking about these incredible levels of Shekhinah, whether it's the level of Shekhinah in the first base on English, in the second base on English, but you know what? A fire without a wick doesn't have any value to us. If you're hot, if, sorry, if you're cold, and there's no wick, to consume, to, ca to allow the fire to come, you're, you're going to remain, continue to remain cold. So we can have the greatest levels of Shekhinah, but if we're not going to make it remain here, we're, we're not in the best place. However, if we take any energy, our physical energy, and we're able to use it for Hashem, we now have that wick. And the Shekhinah will come and dwell amongst us. Mm. So we literally can burn calories for Hashem and accomplish that Hashem will dwell amongst us the greatest level. Mm. Any questions? I wish I could burn calories.